Yes, people, it is that time of the week. Echo Chamber, baby. And we are bringing you a two-parter. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, part two is going to be dope. Trust me. But as we do, we're going to start things off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 12th to the 14th of January. At number 10, it's The Boys in the Boat. This is the new George Clooney joint, which was written by Daniel James Brown and Mark L. Smith. It stars Joel Edgington, Callum Turner, Peter Guinness, Sam Strike, Thomas Elms, Jack Mohelm, Luke Slattery. Right at number nine, it is Wish, the new Disney animated joint. Right, it is directed by Fawn Versa Fawn and Chris Buck. Buck also co-writes with Alison Moore and Jennifer Lee. Evan Peters, Chris Pine, Alan Turek, Arena DeBoss, Harvey Gulliong, Victor Garber, Angelique Cabral, all um, lend their voices to, um, yeah, to the feature, right? So, that means... Hmm, at number eight, right, we have got Aquaman 2, right? I mean, well, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. So this was directed by James Wan, who co-wrote with David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick and Jason Momoa. Momoa also stars along with Ben Affleck, Patrick Wilson, Yaya Abdul-Matan II, Dolph Lundgren, Timura Morrison, Janie Zhao, Nicole Kidman, Vincent Regan, Randall Park, and Amber Heard. At number seven, right, we have got... The Boy and the Heron. This was f- from Heo Mazazaki, right? He wrote and directed. And we've got Soma Santoki, Maziki Soda, Takura Kimura, Amun Kai Shobashi, all giving their voices to the joint. Right, so at number six, it's Priscilla. We checked it out at the 67th BFI London Film Festival. Sophie Cape- Sophia Capella directs and co-writes with Sandra Hammond. Right, Kaylee Spenny, Jacob Elordi, Ari Cohen, Dagmar Domerick, Tim Post, Lynn Griffin, Dan Bernie, Rodrigo Fernandez, Stool, All Star. So we are in our top for five, right? And at number five, it's the new one from David Ayer and Kurt Wimmer. It is The Beekeeper. This stars at Jason Statham, Emmy 
Raya Lamp Lampman, Bobby Nadari, Josh Hutchinson, Jeremy Irons, David Witts, Michael Ego, Taylor James, right? At number four, it's One Life, right? James Hawes directs Nick Drake and Lucinda Coxon, right? Anthony Cop, no, Anthony Hopkins, Helena Bottom Carter, Jonathan Price, Romola Garreri, Liana Olin, John Flynn, Adrian Rawlings, Samantha Cipro, all star. So at number three, anyone but you. This is from Will Glock, who co-write with Ilana Wolpert. It stars with Sydney Sweeney, Glenn Powell, Alexandra Ship, Darren Barnett, Brian Brown, Joe Davidson, um, Rachel Griffiths, Michelle Hurd. At number two, another one from the London Film Festival. It is Poor Things, right? Yorgos Lanthimos, he um, directs, and it is written by Tony McNamara. I think it's adapted from an Alexander Gray novel. It stars Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, William Defoe, Rami Youssef, Jack Barton, Catherine Hunter, Charlie Hiscock, Vicky Pepperton, Christopher Abbott, Afia Dubai. It is tremendous, people. This was so fucking good. Go check it out. Do not bring the kids. It's an 18. <laughs> so at number one, again, it is Wonka, right? Paul King directs and co-writes with Simon Farnaby, Timothy Chalamet, Olivia Coleman, Hugh Grant, Patterson Joseph, Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson, Keegan-Michael Key, Simon Farnaby, um, Matt Lucas all do their thing. So that's the top 10 people. I think it's time to, um, yeah, do our thing. All right, you ready? Let's go. So let's get things started with an oldie. Well, kind of old, right? It is Avatar, The Way of Water. Well, this has been a bit of a saga. Man, <laughs> just finally watched Avatar The Way of Water. Yeah, I know. I'm mad late. I'm mad late. There's so many things got in the way of this one, people. So many things, right? So it is directed by James Cameron, who co-wrote the film with Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. And they all devised the story with Josh Friedman and Shane Salerno. Uh, the film is then produced by dum, 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 James Cameron and John Londau. It's executive produced by Richard Banaham 
and David Vouds. It's associate produced by Bridget York and Maria Battle Campbell. Simon Franklin handles the music. Russell Carpenter, cinematography. David Brenner, James Cameron, John Refu, and Stephen E. Rivkin edit the piece. Marjorie Simkin looked after the casting. Production design is Dylan Cole and Ben Proctor. Art direction is Ken Turner, Sam Story, Kim Sinclair, Rudy Schaefer, Ben Milsom, Andy McLaren, Stephen Lightor, Ashrita Kamath, Robert Andrew Johnson, Luke Friedman, Sarah DeLucci, Stephen Christiansen, Andrew Chan, Simon Bright, Alistair Baxter, Robert Bavin, and Greg Allison. Vanessa Coles on set decoration. Costume design is Bob Buck and Deborah L. Scott. And our cast. Well, we have Sam Worthington as Jake Scully. Uh, Zoe Salandana as Netiri. Um, there's... Jamie Flatters as their son, Netiam. Uh, Brian Dalton as their son, Lokak. Uh, Trinity Jolie Bliss is their daughter, Took. Um, there is... Uh, who is Kiri? Hmm. So Sigourney Weaver is Kiri, which is, I mean, that's a bit odd. That's really fucking odd. Huh. Because, yeah, that's fucking a little bats, really. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> because you know she's two people essentially uh but yeah she's the other daughter and spider is played by jack champion uh he is their kind of adopted son in a way we've also got stephen lang as quirtich um, Kate Winslet as Ronald. Cliff Curtis is Tonawa. Joel David Moore is Norm. CC Pounder is Moat. Edie Falco is General Ardmore. Uh, Brendan Cow is Scoresby. Jermaine Clement is Dr. Garvin. Uh, we have Bailey Bass as Tissere. Aaron Young is played by Philip Gelgo. Rot Xo is Dwayne Evans Jr. 
Selfridge is Giovanni Rubisky. Max Patel is Delip Rao. Uh, Keston John is Tarson. Yeah. Phil Brown is Stringer. I think that's a lot of the main people. There's so many odd names I struggle to pronounce, people. The gist of the story is 16 years after the nappy repelled the RDA invasion, Jake Scully and his family are living on Pandora. Things seem peaceful, but the RDA has other plans. Invading and invading and capturing Pandora. Scully forms a guerrilla group to try to expel the invaders. So that's the general gist of this one, right? So essentially 11 years, no, 13 years, my bad, 13 years after the first film, we get the sequel, finally get the sequel. Now, it's we knew the sequel was coming mad early, but... It was because they wanted to do all of this undersea stuff, they had to invent the tech, <laughs> right? A bit like the first one. They basically had to invent the tech and have things catch up tech-wise for this to happen. And they did. Spent millions, millions on putting this together. And... Uh, Boy, they came out big, right? This was huge. It made a shit ton of money. A shit ton of money, right? In the cinema, let alone Blu-ray and DVD and all of that jazz. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they're golden. So, part three, which was made during part two, is coming. And I believe four and five are a go now for sure so yeah it's big things now i will say visually this film is pretty fucking stunning it is pretty fucking stunning for the most part so because the navi on land and with humans it does look a little awkward, does really look CGI. I mean, it is CGI, so the fact it looks, you know what I mean? Now, underwater, whoa. Underwater is where this shines like a motherfucker. And I would say in the dark, right? That the night raid stuff, uh, the attack, the battles, all of that on land and on the ship, that looks stunning. And in the water, the illuminescence, all of that shit really pops, man. It's pretty fucking spectacular. It really is. Love that stuff. Like the, the whale-type creatures. Man, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. You know, the tech looks good, right? I think 
yeah, as I said, it's just the stuff with the Navi, with the humans. And in the day, kind of looks a little bit, you notice it. It's a very noticeable, but the rest of the stuff, man, I'm, I'm just like, whoa. You, you, you know what I mean? You can see why people love this shit. It's, I think, story-wise is where I, 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 I sometimes can't gel with this. Now, the, the whale-type creatures, I forget their names, Toki, Tokis, those, like, that part of the story, I, I enjoyed, right, because we know about whale migration, and the fact that they will go to different places, right, and, and there's these markers that they leave, so they can come back, and all of it, I find that's just fascinating to me, so that kind of part of this was like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing, right? Just the differences between the Navi tribes, right? The forest people and the water people, right? You can see the evolutionary traits that have changed the tails and all of that. Lung capacity for the underwater, or great. That, really cool, really cool. You know, and the fact the the learning how to breathe and the fact the kids are finding it easy and the adults, all of this stuff makes perfect sense to me. Love all of that stuff, you know? There's just some weird things, right? Like the, the, the Navi don't have breasts, but the females have got like the covering around the tops, which is very weird. It's very weird, right? Because it's kind of like going, oh, these aren't human, but we're going to put human traits on them. Even though we're not saying that they are physically like you. It's just like, you have to let them be who the fuck they're going to be, right? You can't just go, oh, they walk on two feet, so we're going to make them humans in this way and boom, 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 boom. Like, we need to stop with that shit. Because it's just, it's, it's odd. It's an odd thing. It's an odd thing, man. Like, the other things for me, because, you know, it's 16 years after. And when we're getting shown all of this stuff at the start, it's, it seems like, oh, everyone's shocked that the RDA come back. Like, Jake was a soldier. He shouldn't have been shocked. Right, the planet has all of these resources. So what the, the you know the humans were gonna be like, oh, you know, we'll leave it. No, they were always gonna come back, right? It, it, it's just these things that they're uh, you know, you're just like, wait, why wouldn't you have prepped? What uh, this makes no sense, you know. So that aspect of it, I thought was very weird. The fact that, again, ex-soldier. So you know, and he's worked with um, Quartet, you know what I mean? He was in the squad with him. So he knows that person. He knows his character. You can't leave people like that living. You, you have to kill them. 
You know what's going to happen. And he's seen what can happen, right? The, the threats and everything like that. But still, you get these weird scenes. And it's just like, what, do you, what are we doing? Right? After everything that we're going to do this. You know what I mean? So it, 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 those things are kind of weird. But a big thing that I find it's a little jarring for me is the fact that they're going to make Scully the chief. He's not even Navi. He, he's not even really Navi. But they're like, oh, you can come lead us, right? And then when he goes to the water clan, he's just like, no, 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 no. You've been doing your thing all these years, but I might be new, but this is this is what I'm telling you. You have to follow what I'm saying. I'm the one making sense here. This is what you need to do. What the fuck? <laughs> right? What the fuck? Now, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, right, that this film is racist or anything like that, but it it feels like it's written by white people that don't get certain things. You know what I mean? It, it, it just seems like, yo, how is it that these people would have this motherfucker come in and be telling them what to do, right? And it's not even he's approaching it like, yo, okay, so I've had experience with these. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not quite sure. My recommendations would be this, but I don't want to step on your toes. It's just like, no, we need to do this. People, listen to me. And you're just like, Know your role, you little jumped up motherfucker. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know what I mean? That was just kind of, ooh, yeah. Kind of vexed me a little. I uh, got to be real. Kind of vexed me a little. We do go through those, you know, tropes, right? Like the father irritated by the sun, but then so the sun shows his worth, and the Sava's like, I fully understand it now, you know what I mean, just those things, we, we're doing those things, it's just, it, it's kind of a shame that with the new technology invented for this, we didn't invent some different modes of storytelling, you know what I mean, that's that's the thing. Now, I enjoyed the film for the most part. I enjoyed it for the most part. But yeah, it was just those things that were a kind of vexing to me. And I know not to other people. I know other plenty of people that love it. I just sometimes I get stuck on stuff. Right, he's over analyzing, over analyzing shit, and, and 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 getting caught up in these webs in my fucking head. But yeah, that that's that's my take, people. That's what I'm. You know what I mean?
thinking on this. There's stuff with the whole spider thing that were a little like played out, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where this story goes because we know we're meeting. I think it said two more tribes in the next film, right? I mean, it's curious that they are saying that the water people are home when they lived amongst the forest people for 16 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a bit like, okay. <laughs> you're like, you know what I mean? You've been there a minute and they're home? Yeah, if I was a forest person, I'd be fucking vexed. I'd be like, yo, we we let you come in. You know what I mean? You married one of our women. What, and now we ain't good enough for you, motherfucker? <laughs> oh, boy. It's interesting, man. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. If you loved the first one, you will very much enjoy this. You will. You know? I think if you really enjoyed the Star Wars prequels and then the last trilogy, you'll really enjoy this. You know? It just depends what you are looking for with this story, the originality and all of this kind of thing, is three and a quarter hours, it's long, I didn't necessarily think it needed all of what we have, there was stuff that kind of felt a little fillerish. I understand we're, we're adding context and building kind of stuff, but some stuff felt like retreads of stuff we've seen earlier in the film or, you know, a bit later in the film kind of thing. It's just like, all right, do, we're doing this again. Do we need this? You know? So I don't know if it necessarily needed to be this long. Um, But, yeah, I don't know, man. This, this is a film that will, I think, you're, you can be so many ways on it, right? You can love the fuck out of it, or you can just enjoy it, like me, right? It's going to be people that just detest it. But yeah, I, I think you can be on many fences, right? Look at this in many different ways. Be interesting what you thought, people, because you probably got to this sooner than me. <laughs> so let me know your thoughts, right? Avatar, The Way of Water, it's out all over the shop. So, people, how the fuck did you find it? Are you looking forward to part three? Next up, people, we have got one more shot. Well, people, one more shot, right? This is the new film from James Nunn, which he co-wrote with Jamie Russell. It is produced by Ben Jacks, executive produced by Gareth Williams, co-produced by Joe Karaminik, 
and associate produced by Melissa Massey. Austin Wintrory handles the music, while Joe Rennick is on cinematography. Emma Gunnery handles casting duties. Natalie O'Connor, production design, with Jasmine Ada Knox on costume design. Hair, makeup, prosthetics, we've got Samantha Maxwell, Heather Pitchford, Alexandra Police, Freddie Stupler, and Leanne Allison White. The cast, well, Jake Harris returns via Scott Adkins. We got Hooper, played by Hannah Atherton. Mike Marshall is played by Tom Berenger, right? Um, we have got Stanwood, played by Christos Dante. Um, Agent Howard, played by Tip Cullen. Wald is played by Duncan Casey. Um, Agent Price is played by Stephen Blades. We've got Amin Munsour, played by Walid El-Gadi. Um, Jennifer Lomax, played by Alexis Knapp. Uh, we've got uh, Munsour's wife. Here we go. Nisha is played by Mina Raynan. Agent Ryan is played by Gary Raymar. Uh, Newman is played by Samantha Schnitzel. Dunbar is played by Aaron Tooney. Um, Robert Jackson is Michael J. White. Kelly Harris is played by Jill Winternitz. Uh, who else? Do, 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 do. Agent Jenky, played by Cassidy Little. Agent Long, played by Neil Limp Limpow. Campbell, played by Teddy Linard. Agent Donovan, played by Tom Lee. And I think uh, Agent Lamb, played by Mike Mark Hampton. Yeah, I think that's everyone. Yeah. So the gist of the story is following the Black Psych attack in Poland, Navy SEAL Jack Harris must use all his battle-honed skills to survive an airport siege from mercenaries attempting to capture high-profile terrorist suspect Amin Munsour. With a bomb threatening the State of the Union address, Mansour is the only person who may know its location. Still reeling from the loss of his team, Harris must protect the man he brought in for justice at any cost. So there we go. Now, what I didn't know going in was this was actually a sequel to One Shot from 2021, right? Which, to be honest with you, you don't really need to know, right? I, you know, I think there's probably, there's references to this thing in Poland, 
right, to the loss of the team and all of that kind of jazz. But, yeah, I don't know how much relevance, really, because it's pretty simple to follow. Now, maybe there's characters in this one who he came across in the first film, right? Maybe people he thought were his friends and, you know, villains in this. I don't know. But, yeah, it was pretty simple. Right. You know what I mean? He didn't uh he didn't need a degree to get the gist of this. But the story was odd. There's a lot of odd things going on here, I've gotta say. I really do like Scott Adkins and Michael J. White. I think they're great. Great at action, you know, what I mean? solid actors, but there are times when they can be in these just uh, films with the script that I don't think it does them justice, unfortunately, people. Unfortunately. Right? This, I mean, you could say this is a solid actioner, right? You definitely don't have to think about it. But there's just so many things here that just seem very odd. Right? Seemed very odd. I mean, a character has a bad leg, fucked up leg. You know what I mean? And there's some bits where he can't move, and other bits where he jumps up, and you know, it's just like there's no consistency in it. You know, like, um, I think you've got an instance with a gun, someone grabs a gun. And he's just like, oh, no, don't. And, and you're just like, what's the actual need? And someone else is talking about, you know, uh, they're going to think I'm a terrorist. But they have a bomb, right? It's just like, yes, that's what you are, right? Like, Or that's the perception you've given everyone. You know what I mean? Like. Where is the shock here? Someone else supposedly hates someone, but then is all, oh, no, you know, and upset about them throughout, right? Just, these things just don't add up, right? They, they don't add up. They're just all over the place, right? And with the characters... No one's really talking to each other, right? You've got people suspecting other people, and you just think, well, if someone had just said, right, it could have resolved. But everyone's it's all this whole, oh, you know, keep it under our hat type of business. But you're just like, yo, you're you're working a mission. I don't know if this is how it would be. Right, I don't know how this would be. It's, yeah, peculiar. Very, uh, very peculiar. You know, I do, the one thing I did like was after, um, you know, Jake had taken people, beaten them up, he just shot him in the head, right? And I'm just like, yes. I mean, obviously, that's what you would do in this situation, right? Because it, a lot of times in films like this, they leave the person and then they come, that person finally wakes up and comes after them. And just like, you you wouldn't leave your enemies 
viable, you would just shoot them. So that makes sense. That I was just like, okay, good, good. Some sensible shit here. You know what I mean? But yeah, there, there's just, there's one character who's getting shot at and all of this. And then they're like, don't hurt them. I'm like, wait, don't hurt the people that are trying to kill you. Like, what are you saying? What are you saying here? This is this is weird. And our, our, our bad guy, you know, they, like, it's not menacing, right? It's just kind of shouting rather than being menacing, right? So you're not really afraid or anything like that. You don't, they're not fearful, right? They're not going to put the wind up anyone, you know, which is, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, people. Like, it's clearly set up for a third film. The way this ends, you know what I mean? It is, there's no resolution. So it's just straight up, okay, this is, you know, the next scene will be part three. Like, there's not really even a solid ending. It's just, oh, there's more, right? We're not going to resolve anything right now. There's going to be a third film. So I don't know if the third film was a guarantee going into this. Because you just think, if this wasn't successful and there's not going to be a third, then you at least want it to end in a way where you're just like, okay, but it doesn't. So, yeah. <sighs> One more shot. One more shot. I think, people, if you like stuff like The Best Man, and I'm not talking about, you know what I mean, the uh, the 90s flick. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, we, we covered it last year on the podcast um, with Dolph Lundgren in it, you know, it's the, the wedding, that's that whole thing. Yeah. If you like stuff like that, if you like stuff like, right, think of all of those Bruce Willis straight to um, streaming DVD films. You know what I mean? If those are your jam, right? If you like those films, then one more shot. Boom. This is for you. Right now, I believe it is um, available on all streaming platforms in the States and it's um, on Sky Cinema in the UK. Okay, so there you go, people. One, one more shot. Oh, it's new on Prime. I'm talking about role play. Okay, so role play, right? This is the new film from director Thomas Vincent and writer Seth W. Owen. It is produced by Kaylee Cuckoo. Uh, 
Alex Heinemann and Andrew Rona. It's executive produced by Anna Marsh, George F. Heller, Ron Halpern, uh, Luke Etienne, and Shana Eddie Groff. It is co-produced by Christopher Fraser, no, Christopher Pfizer, even, uh, Rachel Clara Henschberg, Henning Malfenter, John Papisidera, and Charlie Wobalken. It's associate produced by Alan Giles Villavoya. Um, and Fabrice Delaville. Raul Jones handles the music. Maxime Alexandra, cinematography. Gareth C. Scales edits the piece. While John Papasadra and Cornelia von Braun were on casting duties. Marco Bittner-Rosa is production design. Marco Bittner-Rosa, as well as Anja Muller, Marina Vasconales, and Wolfgang Meshan handle art direction, with Ingborg Heinemann on set decoration and Mona May on costume design. The cast, well, we have got Emma, um, oh gosh, hold on for a second, Emma Brackett is played by Casey Callow, Cuckoo even, her husband Dave is played by David Olawayu, they've got two children, Wyatt, played by Regan Brian Godjajan, and his little sister, Caroline, played by Lucia Alou. And um, who else do we have? We've got um, Dave's sister, Molly. Played by Stephanie Levi Joan. Um, then we've got Gwen. Gwen Carver, played by Connie Nielsen. There's G, played by Jade Alina Dregagas. Um, you got Raj, played by Rudy Damaralanchium. Oh dear. There's Bob Keller, played by Bill Nye. We have Salas, played by Julia Shotchenshich. Carlo, played by Stefan Jong. Um, Gorman, played by Dong Hong Yong. Cabal, played by Matthias Schmidt. Amadi, played by Angus McGruffer. Maya, played by Dominic Holmes. Um, yeah, they're the main P. 
people, I would say, the gist of the story. Dave and Emma have the seemingly perfect life. Two kids, suburban house, good jobs, but they just want a little more fun. In fact, they need it. Looking to shake things up, they decide to role play. The rules are simple. They meet as strangers for one night to rekindle their relationship. While waiting for her stranger at a hotel bar in New York, Emma attracts the attention of a mysterious older man who stays to buy her and Dave drinks long into the night. 24 hours, look, 24 hours later, the man is found dead and a murder investigation is launched. Emma and Dave's role-play game now becomes a case of mistaken identity that leads Emma to disappearing and Dave being questioned by the police for murder. As disguises unravel, Dave uncovers the unbelievable truth. His wife, Emma, is a professional assassin who has been living a double life for years. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. That's a very odd synopsis, gotta say. Right? Because, I don't know. There's things watching this film, right? It's, the film is fine, essentially. Right, if you are looking for something where you don't have to think too hard, you know, if you can switch off, yeah, it's perfunctory. It's all right. You'll be you'll be fine watching it. It's non-offensive. I think things with it though, when it says they lived a perfect life, I. I think mean, we don't really get a whole heap of evidence of that. Now, they've got two kids, right? They've got a nice house. But, you know, it, it, seeing that connective tissue, don't really get too much of that, right? But she misses an anniversary. She forgets. And then that leads to, oh, let's role play, which, you know, fine, whatever. But... Emma being this world-class assassin, the best. It's hard to believe that. It's hard to believe that. There's, there's a thing that happens in a lot of kind of assassin-type movies where they're meant to be the best, but then throughout we just see them making ridiculous mistakes, right? Like going into the room without gloves right touching everything leaving your dna all over the place you're just like what's up with that you know is just going somewhere i think if you've used the tools you know how they work so then the mistake made in the hotel you just be like that's unnecessary like Surely you just clean it up. You just handle it quickly. You don't stand around to gloat or anything. You know, it's, it's bizarre. And her disguises, it's just a wig. It's, it's just a wig, right? It's like people change their hair color. A, a wig ain't gonna cut it, kid. 
You know what I mean? There, there, there's, there was no prosthetics. There was nothing else done. And once you've seen a film like The Killer, right, the Michael Fashbender new film on Netflix, watched it during the um, 67th BFI London Film Festival. It was great because it dealt with the minutiae of being a hit person. Right? Just the planning, the waiting, the detail you have to go to, right? The contingency plans, all of that stuff, right? And that was great because you don't usually see that and you don't see it in role play, which I think mean, you, you just think when you're living that life, there's things that you would put in place things that you would put in place to extricate yourself and your families, right? It just makes sense. But we we don't really get that. And it's all kind of, you know, cleaned up pretty easily, I would say, right? There didn't seem a whole heap of hurdles, right? And even in the situations that might be sticky, not really, right? Not really. Like the fight scenes, you know, look, we, I don't know, you've got boxing, you've got mixed martial arts, right? On TV all the time. We know what fighting is. So it, it, it's hard to kind of buy what we see as being, you know, legit and all of that. And also, a gut wound. Really? Really? There's just the, the notion of, oh, I'll avoid your organ. You can't say that. The organs aren't in the same place for every single person. And even if you take people of the same body type, doesn't mean shit's going to be in exactly the same place. So to be like, oh, if I do it here, it will avoid all your, all, you you can't say that. That's an insane thing to say. <laughs> it, it was just, ah, oh, it was kind of crazy. It was kind of wacky, man. But listen, the acting is fine, right? There, there's nothing other than the weird, you know, things in the script, there's nothing that's too crazy here, you know, acting is fine, the camera work is fine, you know, it, it, it's not like, ugh, that was so bad, but it was just this script that doesn't really make any sense, right, mad plot holes and all of this all over the place, you know, and then just some of the dialogue was a bit weak. So that's where it really falls down. It's, it's the story and the script. Everything else, you know, it's all right. If you like a, uh, you know, crime story, right, that's your jam, then uh, you might want to check it out. You know, it, it's kind of similar to the family plan that, that dropped on Apple um, at the, uh, well, mid-December, right? Covered it on the podcast. But I would say that was a better film.
But yeah, if you like the family plan, then, uh, you know, right? I think role play could be for you. So it's on Prime. Um, you can watch it if you have a membership, right? So there you go. Role play. Okay, so, man, we got the new Gareth Edwards film. That's right, baby. It's the creator. Okay, so the creator has just dropped on Disney Plus. So, god damn, I had to give it a check, right? It is written and directed by Gareth Davis with Chris White also helping on the screenplay. The film is then produced by Gareth Edwards, uh, Kiri Hart, Aaron Mitchin, Galio Mondol, Gaku Naratio, uh, Ace Salador, uh, Jim Spencer, and Rodney Lewis Vincent, Michael Schaefer, uh, Yariv Mitchin, M Nick Meyer, Natalie Lenman, Zev Foreman, they all executive produce. Um, it's co-produced by Courtney Cuniff and Nicholas Simon with Chidhanuk Pludpu um, line producing. Hans Zimmer does a masterful soundtrack. Greg Frazier and Oren Sofa handle cinematography, while Hank Corwin, Scott Morris, and Joe Walker handle the editing duties. Gina J is on casting. James Klein, production design. Art direction is Butawi for Taupasa. Matt Sims, Sarah Krantz, Peter James, Shiri Hookman, Christy Palio, Warpool Dash Horty and Lek Chian Chunswat with set decoration from Claire Levinson Gendler and Suntad Pansumbut. Costume design is Jeremy Hanna and Priyan Lin Suwanafada. Um, hair, makeup, we've got Benson Davis, David, Hilary Davillas, Natasha Fagri, Virginia V. Maptasi, Nadia Reese, Rappi Pat Runfam, Yvette Shelton, Catawat Tawan, and Francesca van der Feest. Now, the cast. We have got um, 
John David Washington as Joshua. Maya is played by Gemma Chan. That is his girlfriend, wife, I think, right? Um, we've got Alison Janney as Colonel Howe. Haroon is Ken Watanobe. Um, we've got Madeline Yuna Volez as Alfie. Right, um, Amar Chada Patel is Omni, um, Sergeant Boo and Sekon. Mark Mencha is McBride. Robbie Tan is Shipley. Ralph Inson is General Andrews. Michael Esper is Captain Cotton. Veronica Nuke is Cammy. Um, Ian Verdun is Daniels. Daniel Ray Rodriguez is Hardwick. Lambert is played by Rad Piera. Bradbury is played by Sid Skidmore. Karen Aldridge is Dr. Fanky. Fiwat Malvai is Boomy. Commander Door is played by Liana Cha. Uh, I think that's probably our main group. And it's all the names I can actually pronounce. And the story is this. Amid a future war, right, set in 2017, between the human race and the forces of artificial intelligence, Joshua, a hardened ex-special forces agent grieving the disappearance of his wife, is recruited to hunt down and kill the creator, the elusive architect of advanced AI, who has developed a mysterious weapon with the power to end the war and mankind itself. Ooh, right? Now, there's a lot, you know, in about this film, right? The fact that it was done on a pretty small budget for a big, you know, sci-fi film. And then also some of the reaction to the film, right? A lot of people are like, hey, it looks all good, but the story is meh. So I was interested. I was very interested. I mean, I'm a big fan of Gareth Edwards anyway. So, I, you know, I came into this just wondering, right? And I really liked it. I, I really liked it. I don't really get the criticism for the story. Because, yes, AI is in it, right? AI is in it. And yes, there's a load of sci-fi films and action films with like AI as the uh, protagonist, right? I mean, that's part and parcel of today. You know what I mean? Like AI is the big talk. You know, I, AI is always the thing, you know, in sci-fi. It was always that interesting topic. What would happen? You know what I mean? Terminator did it. If machines took over, right? If we put our trust too much in machines. So the, the concept 
yes, the concept isn't new, but so many people are doing the concept. You have to look at the approach to it all. And I thought that Edwards took some real interesting, you know what I mean, looks at this, right? Just with the notion of what AI is actually trying to do, you know? Like we get, we get told something and then we find out something else. So it makes this very interesting, right? The way AI and the robots, right, have taken on these kind of human traits. Like when you look at all the things, when you go to that, that temple kind of building and they've got like a lot of kind of, you know, classic architecture. And when I say classic, I mean, when you think of ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, you know, things like that. Um, so they've got lots of that architecture, but incorporating like a robot aesthetic, which interesting, right? You know, and it makes sense within the context of this story. You know, the the uh, the way that the tech looks, which reminded me um, slightly of a film, The Tangle. You know, um, we looked at that a while back. You know, uh, Jessica Graham and Christopher Soren Kelly created that and. Boy, if you haven't seen The Tangle, people, you need to go see The Tangle. It is magnificent. It is so good. But, yeah, the, the way they approach tech kind of reminded me of that, that film, you know. And just the the look of the, the robots themselves. I mean, they, well, there's two kind of looks to the robots. Both. I thought it was very interesting. I did like the approach to sci-fi because we had some kind of different designs here. It wasn't necessarily what we've seen in other places. And can I just say the bombs? Right? The bomb what yo, I don't think I've ever seen the bombs do that. Right? I I'm talking when they're on the bridge. Remember people? Yo, those but I don't think I've seen those bombs, that type of bomb before. That was, whoa. I love that shit. That was great, you know? And with this film, like, we explore these emotions, right? Because, you know, we, we see what Joshua is trying to do. And then we see this journey that he is on throughout the film and the way everything kind of changes, you know, everything kind of, and everything changes for so many people, right? We, we, we see it, which reminds me of like racists, right? When people grow up in a household that is, just vile, just, you know, full of hate. They take on those traits. But the minute they start getting immersed in other cultures, 
right? They see the world for what it is. That stuff disappears. Not all the time, obviously, but a lot of the time it does, right? And people wonder, I don't know what I was thinking, right? I was told this, I was told these, this group of people were this, but they're not, right? I mean, a big example of that is Sean Strickland, the current um, middleweight champion, right, in the UFC. You know, he, he's talked a lot about his childhood being brought up, you know, in just a vile, you know, uh, uh, with a vile upbringing, in a vile household. And he had a lot of views. But once he, you know, started to, integrate more with society as a whole you know and people took him under took him under their wing he understood that yo those views were bullshit right and we see that in this film which i think was handled very well you know it, it, that aspect of it i thought was yeah really really well done it makes sense Right, there's sometimes things don't always make sense in Monsters Ball. I did not see Billy Bob Thornton's journey from racist to non racist, or even like, well, you're okay, it's just the others I hate. Like, there wasn't even that, it, 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 that journey didn't really make any sense to me, you know. So sometimes it does work, sometimes it doesn't in this i thought it worked very well you know and it, it one thing i was very interested at was how many people knew the truth right how many people knew the truth and were just still going ahead and how many people had been lied to right that's a big question that's a huge question. Now, it's a question we don't necessarily need the answers to, but it is something you do ponder about, you know, because, yeah, it is crazy. I love the tracking, right? When you saw the targeting and all of that, it, man, it looks so good. It really does look so good. Like, you, you do think of, as I said, the Tangle, but also Edward's Monster from back in the day, that original film that got it all popping for him. As that was, again, it, it was this very lo-fi sci-fi, you know, with this interesting approach to everything. Um, now, this, he's got more money, so, yeah, everything is very lavish looking, although on a small, still a small budget, in comparison to, you know, I, I, I imagine, right, um, Rogue One, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the story. I liked, you know, I, I say Rogue One, the endings kind of invoke a, a similar thing, right? You, uh, I think the, the, the emotion you have at the end of Rogue One, you, you have that with the creator. Different endings, completely different endings. But yeah, I, I really like the way it ended. You know, it, again, it throws up a lot of questions. And I like the fact that he said there's no plans for sequels. 
or other stuff. This is one and done. I like that, right? Because it's just a story that makes you think, right? Throws up possibilities, makes you think about the way we look at things, right? The integration with, you know, not just robots, just, just people in general, right? When people have that hate for, for things, for people, for groups, right? For races, for genders, just all of these things, which are built on nothing or built on lies, right? You just think, man, how can we get past that, right? And I feel that was something this film really did kind of just throw out there, right? But in a way that isn't preaching or anything, it's in the context of this story. So you can take it however you want to take it. You know, I, I thought the acting was really good. I will say, I did not realize Alfie was a girl. Now, hey, don't, you know what I mean? Don't look at me weird, people. Uh, it might be obvious for you, but remember, I got fucked up eyes, right? I, I'm just seeing a robot. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't know it was a girl until they 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 were saying it. But god damn, I've gotta say, right? That young lady, Madeline Univals, what a fucking great performance. Right, we got some really good performances here. John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Alison Chani, just to name a few. Right, Amor Chadri Patel, Sturgis Simpson, Ken Watanabe, but Madeline just but she had to give this incredible emotional kind of play of look. And she killed it, killed it, right? So yeah, there is a lot to love about this film, you know? Yeah, so people, if you haven't seen it, if you held back because of some of the reactions you saw, just don't listen, man. Just make up your own decision. Take a look, right? As I said, it's now on Disney Plus, so if you have that, you can watch it for free, otherwise it's just on VOD, so it's out in the world, baby, you know what I mean, if you want some, you know what I mean, new sci-fi, a new IP that's not attached to a huge, sprawling franchise, where you think, ah, I've got to know all this history, right, if you want something a little fresh, then, yo, the creator, is that film, baby? It is that film. Gareth Edwards, I salute you, sir. Another solid home run there, everyone. Boom. Go check it, the creator. And it's hitting cinemas on Friday. It's Werner, Hodz, her, Werner Herzog, Radical Dreamer, a new documentary. Well, people, just back from a very interesting screening. It was for the new documentary, Werner Herzog, Radical Dreamer. Right, this 
is written and directed by Thomas von Steinacker. Uh, it is produced by Andre Singer, Bernard von Holsen, and Maria Willer. It is executive produced by Figs Jackman, Joe Plummer, Chris Smith, VJ Vada Yanafan, and Jennifer Westpool. It is line produced by Pat Futter and Maria Gezgeksky, and field produced by Liz Ellickington. Philip Steggers handles the music, Henning Brumer cinematography, while Volker Scheiner edits the piece. Boris Seewald was um, a graphic design. And during this thing, we hear from a host, a host of different people, right? So um, his wife, Lena Hesburgh, she was um, there. We hear from Christian Bale. Nicole Kidman, Wynne Wenders, Carl Weathers, Robert Patterson, Patty Smith, Joshua Offenheimer, Chloe Zhao, um, Tilbert Hesburgh, uh, Werner's brother, Lukik Stepik, Volker Scholendorf, Lottie Esner, Luca Lailor, uh, Guillermo del Oliveira, Thomas Munch, um, David M. Wilson, Peter Zetlinger, and there's a lot of there's some archival footage as well, like Henry Rawlings um, doing an interview. Uh, it's it's fascinating. Now, the gist is this, master filmmaker, auteur, poet, truth seeker, explorer, brand, meme, actor, lauded voice artist, doomsayer, legend, that is Werner Horsfog. This is the man, now 81, who had a 320-ton steamboat hauled over a steep hill in Peru with hypnosis um with hypnosis i think i know his actors um climbs down into volcanoes talks to murderers on death row cooks and eats his own shoe and was once shot at it's these moments along with other stories as well as his appearances in everything from the simpsons to the mandalorian that have made Herzog a cult figure in the world over. With exclusive behind-the-scenes access into Herzog's everyday life, rare archive material, and in-depth interviews with the man himself, the celebrated collaborators, including Christian Bale, Nicole Kidman, and his wife, Lena Herzberg, we are given an exciting glimpse into his work process, and personal life. Also appearing in the film are Joshua Oppenheimer, Robert Patterson, Paddy Smith, Carl Withers, Wim Wenders, and Chloe Zhao. 
so um yeah that is the gist of it and it is fascinating now if if you're a follower of the podcast people you, you may know why i was slightly late to the screening like a, a, a conversation that actually it might not have gone out <laughs> but yeah we're having about the scala documentary um it ran slightly long but it, but it was great it was great definitely check that one out people but yeah so i turned up slightly late and it's just they were talking about him eating his shoe <laughs> right that that's where i came in and i was just like yo what I, which i'd completely forgotten about to be honest with you so there's footage of this him cooking the shoe on a stage and yeah it, it's from there we just get all of this footage he's like traveling around with his wife and he he goes to his old home right and he he's talking about it and he's like you know how small it was you know when they got relocated there and how his mum was you know struggled to feed them at times but he didn't want to go into the house right and you could see this was an emotional thing like he he wipes his eyes and he's like i'm not crying because of emotion <laughs> but i think you don't necessarily have to be sad to be overwhelmed by a situation and you do feel that yeah, the way he was talking about certain things, you, you could see this, like, emotion in him. Like, we see footage of him talking to his film students, right, and teaching. And it's... <laughs> Herzog just has this way of talking. It's very kind of deadpan, but it's clear he has humour. You know what I mean? Like a student is like, um, oh, could you tell us about, you know, someone who you regard from your era of filmmaking? He's just like, um, my era is still happening. I will have you know. <laughs> it's just, it, yeah, it's just amusing. And, and we just have all of these different people contributing and just waxing lyrically about his talent now a lot and i mean a lot of this is subtitled which i did not know i did not know going in and there's no background behind the subtitles right so there's times when you've got this white writing on a white or very light background. So, yeah, I can imagine people just struggling with that. Obviously, I couldn't even see what the word said, right? Which was a shame because, you know, there was all of these people just talking about him and talking about stuff. And sometimes you'd have these people talking and then we cut back to Wurzog and Herzog even, and it sounded like he's following on from something that they have said, right? So there's bits that I wasn't able to catch, which mm, was definitely frustrating, definitely frustrating, but it was fascinating, right? There's 
<laughs> I think there is a bit when he's he's he you know he's an director, writer, poet, actor, voice artist. You know, he's opera. He's directed a lot of opera, but yeah, he's done a lot of voice work. And he was voicing a cartoon character, and they were doing something about penguins. And just in this little snippet, just everyone in the room just started, because it was just hilarious. And I, that's the first time I'd seen it. First time, but it was hilarious. What I did think was interesting, though, because the boondocks was his first bit of voice work, and they don't reference that. Unless they did at the very start in a, a bit that I missed. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting, that that wasn't referenced at all. Now, they reference The Simpsons, obviously, right? Um, his work on The Mandalorian, right? He, I don't think they mentioned uh, the Reacher film he did with Tom Cruise, which the first Reacher film, although it's not really Jack Reacher, right? But it was an enjoyable film. It was an enjoyable, you know, popcorn action film. Like, he, his work on The Mandalorian was very good. But we look at all of this stuff, right? He, he's looking at this waterfall and being like, ah, this is, you know, I resonate with this. My soul is here. And he had no interest of finding out where this started, where the, the source of the waterfall was, which is very interesting. Because I think mean, a lot of times when you, you see these things, it's just, oh, I wonder where this starts. Let's track it. Let's track the river. Right? No interest. No interest at all. You know, he's a, a very interesting guy. Like, it's like, I wish I could fly. It's a travesty I was not an athlete. Right? Just interesting things. Because you just think, with everything he's done, right, that would be enough. But he still has this, you know, this desire to have done these other things, right? It's, yeah, it's fascinating. Like, it touches on some of his other stuff, like Bad Lieutenant. I didn't like Bad Lieutenant. I thought I was uh, bad. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it was interesting, you know, because he had uh, Chloe Zhao talking and... um just the way he he directed and, and, and was working with uh, Nicolas Cage, just all of this stuff. I think anyone that is a fan of Werner Herzog will enjoy this. I, I mean, as long as you can see subtitles. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, yeah, people will enjoy this. And, um, yeah, just find it intriguing because it does cover a lot. Christian Bale had a lot of uh, heartfelt things to say about the man, you know? It's, uh, yeah, very intriguing. Now, it will be hitting cinemas in the UK and Ireland, right, on the 19th of um, January, this Friday. And the Blu-ray and DVD will be dropping on the 19th of February. Okay, so you can check those things out. Now, the other thing, people, right? So on um, Friday as well, 
the um, his film, The Enigma of Caspar Husa, right, which is having its 50th anniversary, will be hitting cinemas as well. So you can not only do a deep dive on Werner, but you can see one of his early films, right? This was from 1974. Now, I, I was... Ah, I was invited to a screening, but that film is straight, you know, subtitled. So I, I, unfortunately, I couldn't do that, but you can, you can. So if you are a Werner Herzog fan, boom, you can, uh, yeah, find out a lot about the man, find out what others think of the man, and then also consume some of his classic work, right? And remember, people, the DVD and Blu-ray will be dropping on the 19th of February. So, yeah, I think anyone that is a fan, if you enjoy, um, you know, these type of documentaries, uh, I think this will be one for you. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Werner Herzog, Radical Dreamer. Okay, so part one of this week's Echo Chamber is drawing to a close, but let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of films first, shall we? Well, people, as of the 23rd of January, right, so this coming Tuesday, you will be able to get Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom on your favorite VOD. Yes, that is correct. It does feel a little early, doesn't it? But it's happening. All right. Um, so you might be waiting for Code 8 Part 2. Well, Netflix have revealed it will be dropping on the 28th of February. So um, that's another date for your diary. <laughs> now, listen. Bill and Ted faced the music, right? It dropped during COVID. And, oh. I hated it so much. We looked at it on the podcast. You can go back and check that one out if you want. It wasn't for me. So it was, and you know, to be honest, that seemed to be the sentiment of a lot of people. You know what I mean? But what was interesting to hear that um, Bill S. Preston himself, that's right, Alex Winter, right, on the Sarah O'Connell show, revealed we're tinkering with a fourth movie idea that all of us like, and the guys are going to write, so we'll see. It takes us time to get these things going, and we never want to do them unless they're great. <sighs> yeah, they feel the same way. He's referring to um, Keanu Reeves, right? And the writers of the um, last film, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, right? But yes, he said, they feel the same way. It has to be right. We love 
the Bill and Ted movies because they're oddball and they're not typical mainstream films. They've never been cash grab movies. Nobody has gotten rich off of Bill and Ted series. We really do make them sincerely from a place of love and interest. Right? There's a really good idea that the writers came up with for a fourth. That's kind of obvious. I don't want to give it away. Hmm. I mean, listen, if it's better than the third one, great. If we're back to the quality of the original two, I'm there. I just have a bad feeling that it will not be. But we will see. Okay. So, um, it's been revealed, right, that Jordan Peele, a, a new film he's producing, right, and was removed off of the film schedule at Universal. Probably just for, you know, the whole reason so many things have shifted, right? But didn't have a name. It's now being called GOAT, right? And it looks like it's being directed by Justin Tipping and will star Marlon Wayans, right? So it's um, meant to be based on a pitch by Zach Ackers and Skip Brokey, and it's about a promising young athlete and football player who is invited to train with the team's retiring star. Right? So um, Waynes will be playing that retiring star. So, um, yeah, we will see how that one goes. You know what I mean? Right, in other news, right, we've got a couple of games that are being made into films. The first was a game called Martha is Dead. Hmm. Right, this is from LKA. I don't play games, people, so I don't know. LKA and Wired Productions. Right, well, Wired Productions um, and Studio Enter Extraordinaire are supposedly bringing it to the big screen. Right, so the story unfolded in a war-ravaged landscape of Tuscany in 1944. The haunting narrative unfolds against the backdrop of World War II. We follow Guilla, a young woman ensnared in a chilling mystery following the death of her twin sister, Martha. So, yeah, if you love the game, it's coming to the big screen, baby. Right, another... As I said, there's there's two of these, right? The other one is called Until Dawn. Hmm. Right? And um, so this was a PlayStation game, right? And David F. Sandberg right, is uh, doing it, right? And that's not to be surprised because we did hear that after Shazam 2, he was going to be coming back to his horror roots. So, yes. Um, so, Blair Butler um, wrote the script, right, um, with Gary Duberman 
doing some uh, rewrites on that, right? Uh, it's being produced by Lo Lota Loston, Roy Lee, Azil Quibash, and Carter Swan. So, um, yeah, if you like that game, eh, you're in for another treat, right? So, um, two big films are coming back to the cinema. Right, um, we have got a black and white version of Godzilla Minus One. Now it's called Godzilla Minus One Minus Color. Hmm. So that will be hitting a cinema near you from January the 26th, ending on the 1st of February. Now, I don't know if that's just gonna be um, in limited locations, right? It might just be the States, it might just be Japan, I'm not quite sure, but keep an eye out. Now, other one, June part one, right? So that's one night only in the States on the 24th of January at 7 p.m. Right, it, it's hitting um, uh, select IMAX locations in North America on that day, right? But it will be playing in other places in the world. So with that, it's hitting from the 7th to the 9th of February. So yeah. If you're not in North America, you get more of a window, right? But yeah, June. <laughs> I mean, that's great to see in the cinema, people. It really bloody is. Ah, what a film. Right, now, the other week, we um, saw that we're getting a biopic on Linda Randstad, right? The um, music icon who uh, Selena Gomez will be portraying. There was no director attached then, but now we can see it is David O. Russell. He will be taking the helm on that one. So uh, big news, right? And we also last week talked about Netflix confirming they would be doing a new Fear Street film, right? So... All we knew is they're doing a film, right? This week, because R.L. Stein right, talked about it, they were adapting his book, The Prom Queen, Good News, right? So, um, yes, if you are a fan of that book, if you were just wondering what would be the new Fear Street film, that's it, Prom Queen, boom. There you go. Right, so this is the, uh, I think this is the synopsis of the book, which came out in 1992. A spring night, soft moonlight, five beautiful prom cream candidates dancing couples at the Shadside High Prom. These should be the ingredients for romance, but in one brutal murder, then another, and another, and the recipe quickly turns 
to horror. Lizzie McVeigh realizes that someone is murdering the five prom queen candidates one by one and that she may be next on the list. Can she stop the murderer before the dance is over? For good? Bum, 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 bum. Man, I like the, uh, the original trilogy, so I'm down for this one, for sure. We will see what happens. So Maggie Gyllenhaal, right? She's got a new film coming called The Bride. And a lot of big names have signed up for it, right? It's her remake of The Bride of Frankenstein, right? I think she's throwing a new kind of uh, spin on it, right? I mean, the old, the first one was old, right? 1935, right? So, um, yes, some of the names balding her new film, Christian Bale, Annette Benning. Penelope Cruz, Jesse Buckley, Peter Skarsgård. Boom. I mean, that's pretty fucking good, right? It's pretty good. So, um, yes, there you go. It's being produced by Emma Tillinger-Kosgoff, Talia Klinhandler, and Osnat Handelsman-Kuren. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. Right? Now, in other news, we recently had the 2024 Critics' Choice Awards. And, uh, yeah, just we'll run through just a few of them. Best Picture was Oppenheimer. Best Actor, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. Good film. Right? Emma Stone was Best Actress for Poor Things bloody good film. Robert Downey Jr. got Best Supporting for Oppenheimer, right? Divine Joy Rudolph got Best Supporting Actress for The Holdovers. The Young Actor-Actress was Dominic Sessa for The Holdovers, right? Best Acting Ensemble was Oppenheimer. Best Director, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Best Original Screenplay, Greta Gerwig and Noah Backenbaugh for Barbie. Best Adapted Screenplay, Cord Jefferson for American Fiction. Best Cinematographer, Hoyt Van Hoytman for Oppenheimer. Right. Best Production Design, Sarah Greenwood and Katie Spencer for Barbie. Best Editing, Jennifer Lane for Oppenheimer. Best Costume Design, Jacqueline Duran for Barbie. Um, yeah, let's leave it at that. There's, you know, there's a load of awards. But we will end on this one, right? Coming off of his outstanding performance in the Book of Clarence, Lakeith Stanfield has just signed up for Play Dirty. This is Shane Black's new film coming from Amazon MGM Studios, right? And it's also starring Michael Wahlberg. It's an adaptation of Donald E. Westlake's book, right? About a career criminal anti-hero character, Parker, right? Um, which, yeah, I mean, 
Park, there's, they're good books, the Parker books, right? But he tried to adapt them a lot of times, right? We had the Michael, the Michael, the Mel Gibson version, which I like the Mel Gibson film. The Jason Statham one was fucking dreadful. <laughs> you know? Well, it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens, right? So, Wahlberg in this one is going to be playing the uh, role of Parker, it would seem. Right? So, um, yeah. We will see how it all unfolds. Okay? But, people, that is it for part one. But, as I said, this is a two-parter. So make sure you join us for part two because we are looking at a new documentary and I had an incredible conversation with the directors. You do not want to miss it. See you there, people. But remember to share this episode with your peoples, right? Go subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. And, um, yeah, all right, once you've done that, I'll see you in part two. Peace.